Hi, my name is Crystal, and I'll be reading from Genesis 1, verses 26 to 31. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea, and the birds in the sky, over the livestock of all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God he created them. Male and female he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. There will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Hi, my name is Brad, and I'll be reading from Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 to 7. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, You must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Don't start. No, no. You're wasting your life. I am not. What you call wasting, mm. I call living. I'm living my yeah, life. Well, okay. Like what? No, no, tell me. Do you have a job? No. You got money? No. Do you have a woman? No. Do you have any prospects? No. You, you got anything on the horizon? Uh... No. You have any action at all? No. You have any conceivable reason for even getting up in the morning? I like to get the daily news. It's good to be here tonight with you. A uh, special shout out to those of you who've uh, been in 14-day lockdown quarantined at home. But 
I'm Andy. If you haven't met me, I'm one of the pastors here at Bandura Presbyterian, and Chris has asked me to give the talks at camp this weekend. Well, you'll be able to download an outline of the full transcript of the sermon on the camp page of the Bundy website. Please feel free to use either the transcript or the outline if those will help you. But more importantly, keep your Bibles open because we're going to be looking at different passages from the Bible. Normally here at Bundy, in our sermons, we work through books of the Bible verse by verse. But for a topical series like this weekend, we're going to be looking at different parts of the Bible and we won't have the opportunity to drill down in detail in those passages. So with a topical series, there's always more risk uh, that things will be taken out of context by the preacher. So as with anything you hear from a preacher, always test it against the scriptures. Uh, Bible passages are given to you in the outline, so you can look at those in your own time. Now, these talks were meant to be given on a camp at Upper Plenty, and all of us were meant to be gathered in person, eating, laughing, and learning together. And the irony is not lost on me that I'm giving talks on community in an auditorium with four people and you watching at home on your own. So it is grieving, friends. I'm sad, and I'm sure many of you are sad too. Doing camp this way through this technology is second best by far. I'm glad you're here, but we're all grieving. So let's firstly acknowledge that grief by praying to God. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we are, we are sad tonight. We're sad this weekend that we can't be gathered together to enjoy the fullness of your gifts. And yet we, yeah, we grieve for not being able to see um, our brothers and sisters, and not being able to laugh together and learn together. We grieve a world that is broken by sin, such that sickness and suffering exist. But we thank you for the comfort that comes through Jesus. And we thank you that in Jesus we can still be bound together through the gospel. Father, as we learn together about community this week, and please open our hearts and minds, and may your spirit move us to understand your word and to obey it. So please help us now. Help me to speak your word faithfully. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, all of us long for the type of community that we see on a show like Friends. I'm so glad for streaming services like Netflix that have brought the shows that I grew up watching at your age to you, which means I can use them as sermon illustrations. Uh, we want to live in a share house with someone like Chandler or Joey. We want to live across the corridor from people like Monica and Rachel. And we want to hang out at a local cafe with the rest of our friends like Phoebe and Ross. Friends who are there for us because we're there for them too. And we just all happen to be really good looking. Now, this is the kind of community we want, isn't it? And staying apart during COVID has only reminded us how much we long for this type of community. But is this the kind of community we, we should long for? And if so, how do we get this kind of community? And as we look at this series on community this weekend, we'll be looking at these things. Community, made and broken. And then tomorrow morning, truth and grace in community. And then on Sunday evening, love in community. I, I think I'm going to set up a prize. If you can count the number of times we're going to say community this weekend, I'll give you a prize. 
This, this series of talks is, is not intended to give detailed answers to every question about community, but I'm hoping it will begin a conversation. Lord willing, as we begin to regather again in person in the coming months, I hope these talks will get you thinking about what makes for good community and to consider, more importantly, what God thinks makes for good community and to make that the foundation for rebuilding community in the evening congregation. Now, if you do a word search for community in the Bible, you will not find it. But the Bible does talk a lot about relationships. And in these talks, I will often use the term community to actually talk about relationships. Because relationships are at the heart of community. The Bible tells us that God made us for relationships. So if you want to understand community, you need to go back to your creator. That's where the Bible starts. And that's the first point I want to make this weekend. We've been made by God for God. At the start of the Bible, in Genesis chapter 1, the pinnacle of God's creative work is people. Genesis 1 verse 26. Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. Then in verse 27, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created the male and female, he created them. Nothing else in all of God's creation bears God's image. And much can be said about what it means to bear God's image. But I want to draw your attention to just one aspect, and that is relationship. Relationship with God, relationship with others. We were made first and foremost for relationship with God. This is how the Apostle Paul puts it in Acts 17 when he addressed the Athenians about creation. Verse 24, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he's not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. We're made by God for God. Notice verse 27 says, God is not far from any one of us. And that includes you. Now, for whatever reason, you might feel that God is distant from you or you're far from him. But in reality, he isn't. He made you in his image. You reflect something of God's dignity, God's wonder. And even though you might feel distant, he is closer than you imagine. God wants to have a relationship with you. He wants you to seek out after him because he has already reached out to you because he sent his son Jesus into the world. And that is God opening his arms to welcome you. Well, not only did God create us for relationships, but God is the source of all relationships. Genesis 1 verse 26 says, let us make man in our image. Now notice there, who is the us? 
Now, some say that the us refers to God and the other beings that he made, like the angels, before he made people. But many say, and I I agree, that the us is referring to the Trinity, one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. And we see that in Genesis chapter 1, right at the start, the Spirit of God was hovering over the formless earth. And then in John chapter 1, the eternal word of God, the word that was both with God and was God before the creation of the world at the beginning, well, John goes on to tell us that the word is none other than God's son, Jesus Christ. You see, before the creation of the world, before God made us, there was already a community of relationships. God the Father, Son, and Spirit already had loving other-centered community with each other. And that raises an important point. Why does God want to have relationship with us? God didn't make us because he was lonely. God didn't make us because he was desperate for relationship. He already had community. God made us to know him for our benefit. Why? Have a look at Acts 17, verse 28. In him we live and move and have our being. We need God. Without God, life doesn't work properly. Relationships don't work properly. Creatures need their creator. We were made by God for God because we need God. The Psalms are a a great book in the Bible for pandemics. Because these songs are often the experience of people who have been humbled in life. Things have been stripped away from them. Suffering has refined them in such a way that the conclusion they reach is this. I need God. The author of Psalm 73 envies the prosperity and the carefree lives of others he sees around him. Even those who couldn't care less about God. It's very easy when you're in lockdown to envy the carefree lives of others, uh, people in other states, and in the regions. But by the end of the psalm, this is where the psalmist lands. Verse 25. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. We were made to need God. In his ministry, Jesus often retreated from the crowds by himself or with his disciples to spend time with God his Father in prayer. Jesus knew his need for his Father. Do you know your need for God? I suspect that dealing with COVID and lockdown has been harder for all of us than we care to admit. We feel frail, we feel helpless. It's been so hard dealing with grief and boredom and isolation. We've been stripped bare. And how have you been dealing with all of this? Where have you found your comfort? Uber Eats? Binging another series on Netflix? Endorphins from exercise or shopping on Amazon? Porn? Alcohol? We try so many ways, don't we, to to fill that God-shaped hole in our lives. Yet none of those ways satisfy truly like God does. 
Jesus said in Matthew 22, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Community must begin with communing with God. This is what you were made for. And maybe, just maybe, this pandemic, these lockdowns, are God's way of getting our attention to remind us how much we need him. We're not strong and independent as we like to believe. We are weak and frail. We're creatures who need their creator. And while there are lots of barriers to prevent us from having community with one another, there is nothing stopping us from having community with God. Cry out to him. Ask him for help. Stop running to all the other options and run to God. Because when everything else is stripped away, all that we have left is our relationship with God. And that has always and will be always enough. But God also made us for others. Genesis chapter 2 verse 18, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And what's notable about that statement is that right throughout chapter 1, God said everything was good. But here's the first thing in creation that is not good, and it's not good for the man to be alone. So God created woman for man, a helper, a companion, someone who could be his equal as they rule creation together under God. God made us for relationship with other image bearers. The second greatest command Jesus gave was this, love your neighbor as yourself. And this command assumes that we love ourselves quite naturally, but we were not made to be lovers of ourselves, but others. And marriage is the first community that God created between people in Genesis. But clearly marriage is not the only community in the Bible. God's people are described in various ways. God's people are a family, brothers and sisters, with God our Heavenly Father. God's people are a bride with Christ as our husband. God's people are a body of many parts with Christ as our head. God's people, the church, is a community made by God to gather together. That's the literal meaning of the word church in Greek, ecclesia, the gathering. And that's why you've been finding lockdown so hard. You were never made for isolation. You were made to gather with others. Being an image bearer of God means being connected to others in relationship. And believers in Jesus express that bond between them and other believers by meeting together regularly. Uh, I'm, an, I'm an introvert, so I don't mind time on my own. I didn't mind the first lockdown, but this is number six in Melbourne. And even us introverts are struggling because we weren't meant to live like this. Technologies like YouTube Live and, and Zoom, they're useful, but it's not the same, is it? God gave us bodies, and relationship in its fullest is about embodied relationship. Don't forget that lesson after the pandemic. None of these technologies, including all the social media that we use, are any substitute for face 
face-to-face relationship. A virtual thumbs up is not the same as a real hug. Uh, During COVID, I've conducted small weddings and even smaller funerals. And it's heartbreaking to see the closest friends and family members not able to rejoice and to grieve with those they love. We have been made by God for others. Let me ask you this question. How much is your idea of community centered around you? You know, the whole notion of a selfie is that it's all about you, isn't it? Instagram and Facebook are platforms designed to be all about you. Boy, I I sound like the old guy I said I would never be when I was young. I know people like to use social media for noble purposes, but let's be honest, how often have you spent time on Instagram only to feel envious afterwards? Envious of other people's bodies and their experiences, envious of people who seem to be living their best life compared to you. And how often have you been angered after reading a post on Facebook that you had to respond with outrage, not caring about how that person would respond to your comment? If that's the case, then it's all about you, isn't it? Community that is centered around you, and that is not how God made you. You don't find content peaceful community on social media. But if that's all the community you have, then we all need to work harder, don't we, at community? And we need to rebuild community coming out of lockdown. God made us for him and he made us for others. This brings us to our second point. Community has been broken by our sin, so we need Jesus. In the first two chapters of Genesis, we saw this wonderful picture of loving, other-centered relationship, beautiful community made by God. But by chapter 3, we see a very different picture. Verse 4, you will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. God gave Adam and Eve everything and they lost it all in rebellion against God. And the Bible calls this sin. The serpent casts doubt about God's goodness, and man and woman act on it. They want to be like God, verse 5. They want to be his equal. They reject God's authority. Sin enters into the relationships and destroy the wonderful community between man and woman and between people and God. Genesis actually says that God would take evening walks in the garden to commune with Adam and Eve. But now because of their sin, Adam and Eve are hiding their guilt and their shame from God. And when God points out their sin, we see the first 
but certainly not the last blame-shifting incident in history. Verse 12, the man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree and I ate. Adam is blaming both his wife and his God. That is what sin does to community. It breaks apart community. God made us to be image bearers of himself. We were meant to reflect his glory, not replace his glory. But sin says no to God and yes to self. I want to call the shots. I want to be God. This is how the Apostle Paul puts it in Romans 1, verse 25. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. And the Bible calls this idolatry. Idolatry is not just the worship of bad things. It's often a good thing that we turn into a God thing. Community was God's creation. But community can so easily become idolatry. What do I mean by that? We often replace God with community. Instead of loving God with all of our soul, strength, and mind, we expect our relationships to meet our deepest needs. We want to determine how to do that. If community is the idol that you pursue without God at the center, the more you pursue it, the less likely you will find it. Now, here's a history lesson. Back in the 90s, the show that I liked was Seinfeld. For a few years, Seinfeld and Friends overlapped, two of the most popular series on television. And Seinfeld was like an anti-Friends. People who hung out with each other, not because they loved each other, but because they didn't have better options. My favorite character, George Costanza, was this sad guy who always mucks up every relationship because he either wants it too much and messes it up or he envies what everyone else has and messes it up. We want life to be like friends, but life turns out to be more like Seinfeld. Look at how Paul describes the effect of sin on our relationships. Romans 3. Sin poisons our speech so that we cut others down. Sin drives us to violence. Sin breaks peace between people and God. Sin causes us to shake our fist at God without fear. In other words, sin destroys community. And Paul's conclusion is that all of us are guilty of sin. I wonder how many of you believe that marriage will meet your deepest needs. Or maybe if you could just find the right share house with the right people. Or if you find the perfect church and you end up in that wonderful Bible study group, well, then it will all work out. But because of sin, your sin and the sin of others, there is no perfect marriage that will meet all your needs. There is no perfect share house. No friendship can bear the weight that you expect it to. No church, no Bible study group. Inevitably, if you think like this, you will be disappointed. If you're looking for community without God and putting all that pressure on people, you'll be disappointed. So what should you be looking for? 
Well, as I said, if you do a word search for the word community, you're not going to find that in the Bible, but you will find the word koinonia. It's a Greek word in the New Testament. It appears about 20 times describing the relationship between believers and between believers and Jesus. The meaning of koinonia is is deeper than friendship. In English, uh, we use the word fellowship to try and capture the meaning of it. It's deep partnership. It's a common sharing together of life. The Lord's Supper that we celebrate every month is a meal that expresses this koinonia. And the first appearance of koinonia is in Acts chapter 2, which describes the early Christians in Jerusalem. Verse 42, they devoted themselves and to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Here is koinonia in action. And I I think this is the community we're all looking for, isn't it? No hoarding of toilet paper, but everyone looking out for each other, meeting daily, selling possessions, sharing with others in need, thankful, generous, praising God, having favor even with those outside their community. It's all very appealing in a friends-like kind of way, isn't it? But it didn't necessarily last in Jerusalem. By chapter 8 of the book of Acts, under God's sovereignty, a persecution broke out against the Christians, and we read that all the believers except for the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. And many since then have tried to capture that sense of community and failed. Dictators, cult leaders, church leaders, family leaders. They've chased their own vision of community only to destroy their communities by their own desire to control and manipulate others. You see, you don't find community by trying to search for it and trying to create it yourself. Because when you put that much hope in people to meet your needs, you will be disappointed and you will disappoint them. So how do you get this koinonia kind of community? And the Bible's answer is Jesus. You look for Jesus. The Apostle John writes in 1 John, Chapter 1, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Let me explain the logic of what John is saying. John is saying that he knew Jesus personally and he had koinonia with Jesus. And in sharing about Jesus with his readers, they too, when they come to know Jesus, can share koinonia with him because they now have koinonia with Jesus. You see, the the key to that kind of community in the Bible is Jesus. When you come into a deep union with Jesus, that will give us the community that we're all longing for. Christ is the head of his body, the church, and a body without the head is lifeless. It's dead. 
So if you want to be part of a dynamic, life-giving community that is other-centered, it must first be Christ-centered. Must keep looking to Jesus. The most healthy and growing marriages that I see in this church are Christ-centered marriages, where both the husband and the wife are all about Jesus. The most loving and caring share houses that I see are full of people who are centered on Christ and not centered on self or others. Jesus is the ultimate image bearer. He is the very image of the invisible God, the Bible says, the exact representation of God's being. If you want to see what humanity is meant to be, you look at Jesus. And more will be said over the weekend at how Jesus is the key to community. But the first thing we need to do when we look at Jesus is we need to repent. That's how the early church began Koinonia community. In Acts chapter 2, the Apostle Peter confronts the people of Jerusalem with the devastation of their sin. They crucified the Son of God. Verse 36, Therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, Repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repentance is a change of mind that leads to a change of behavior. It is to change your mind that Jesus is Lord and not you. And then to change your behavior by giving yourself to worship Jesus and serving him as your Lord. Repentance is a change of mind that you are not your savior, but Jesus is your savior. That leads to a change of behavior that lets go of your pride so that you can accept his gift of forgiveness through his death on the cross. And in the Bible, repentance is a posture in your relationship with Jesus. It's one of humbleness, dependence. It leads to a daily dying to your self-centered sinfulness, a commitment to giving your life to Jesus each and every day. So that's the first thing. We need to repent. But looking at Jesus also means that we must learn to lament. You know, often in community, we're, we're good at painting a happy face to present to the world. You know, even when we feel miserable and broken by our sin, we feel this need to appear strong and not weak. And so we try to fake it until we make it. We, we try to convince ourselves that maybe if I appear to be winning at life, then I will win at life one day. And the Bible takes a different approach. It's full of lament. Think of the Psalms, honest cries of grief to God. Think of Jesus weeping with Mary and Martha at the death of their brother Lazarus. We're told to lament, to recognize the sin-broken nature of life, the sin-broken nature of our relationships. Jesus said in Matthew 5, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Don't paint on a fake smile. 
Learn to be real. Be real with Jesus. Recognize how broken you are, broken by your sin and the sin of others. Grieve at the consequences of sin, a world of suffering and death. Recognize your utter helplessness and depend on Jesus. And if you do this, you will find comfort. You will find hope. You see, this is real community. Jesus never settles for faking it until you make it. He wants much more than that for you. You can be real with him. Lament to him. Take your grief, your pain to him. And Paul tells us in Romans to rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. So we have to learn a posture of lamenting together in community. Not trying to fix each other's problems, not not giving pat answers, but learning how to be weak and vulnerable together as we look to Jesus for the answers. It's hard, isn't it? We need to get beneath the surface with each other. And tomorrow morning in a workshop, Chris, Jane and I are going to run a workshop on how we can actually do this better. When we're no longer in lockdown, we we tend to busy ourselves like Martha in the Gospels. What Jesus wants from us, though, is to be like Mary, to to be present with him, to be at his feet. And being locked down, I think, is still this opportunity to learn how to be present, present with Jesus, present with each other. It's going to be hard, isn't it, when we come out of lockdown? We're, we're going to be awkward again when we see each other. We're going to have to learn how to relate again after such a long time. But it's also an opportunity to learn new things. Learn how to listen. Learn how to be present with each other. Present in the brokenness as we pour out our grief at sin and suffering and death. Learn to lament. And if you learn how to do this, you will find that it builds community in ways that you cannot imagine. God made us for God and others. But we have broken that community because of sin. So we need Jesus. And we need to learn to repent and lament together. This pandemic has at times brought out the worst in our community. And some of those things we are seeing right now on our streets, fear, anger, hatred, jealousy. But this need not be the case. The Christ-centered community must be different. We must shine in the darkness. A bubonic plague came to the town of Eme in 1665. And by the end of that year, 42 people died in that town. And the minister of the village, William Mompesson, along with the previous minister, Thomas Stanley, persuaded the villagers not to flee to the other towns, but to quarantine themselves. In other words, they locked themselves down, which would lower the risk of spreading the plague to other parts of England. And the people of Eim went to great lengths to spare others. When supplies were dropped off at the edge of the village, residents of Eim dug these wells and filled the wells with vinegar so that they could drop their coins to disinfect them so as not to infect the suppliers. Church services and prayer meetings took place outdoors to lower the risk of infection. 
William Mompesson and his wife Catherine devoted themselves to caring for the sick and the dying. This is what loving community looks like. And according to one account, only 83 people survived out of a population of 350 in Eme. And Catherine Mompesson, aged 27, was amongst those who died and went to be with her Lord. This is what William wrote to his patron, Lord Halifax. My dearest dear is gone to her eternal rest and is invested with the crown of righteousness, having made a most happy end. Had she loved herself as well as me, she would have fled from the pit of destruction and might have prolonged her days. But she was resolved to die a martyr for my interest. My drooping spirits are much refreshed with her joys, which I assure myself are unutterable. In a world broken by sin, suffering and death, this is the Christ-centered community God made us for. Let's pray. Gracious Father God, we thank you that community was your idea. You made us in your image to have a relationship with you, to depend on you, to love you with all of our being. And you also made us for each other. We recognize how much sin has broken apart community. We confess that we are responsible for this. We have often loved ourselves and others more than you, and we've expected community to deliver everything that we need. Please, Father, forgive us. Help us to center ourselves on Jesus so that we might experience the community that you want for us. Help us, Father, this weekend to know what it looks like to be a community that is fully shaped and centered on our Lord and Saviour Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen.